So Romans 13, 11. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Amen. Uh, Lord, just just be able to use me tonight, Lord. Get me out of the way. Uh, uh, God, just... Uh, really help out, bless us, Lord. Uh, just help it not to be an auto tune tonight, Lord. Just really, just get me out of the way. And uh, uh, just thank you for the other parts of the service, Lord. Uh, and just uh, pray that uh, hearts will be open, ears will be open to receive the message and help them to apply what you have for them tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, so this was one of the uh, Pauline... Uh, books that he wrote, to the, and this was to the Church of Rome. Uh, one of the interesting things about this church is that uh, none of the apostles or Paul uh, had been there yet, and uh, this church was evidently started by Jews who, uh, who had come to faith during Pentecost, and they went out and did what they were called to do, and that's share the gospel as we are called to do. Amen. And so they were just following the calling they received at Pentecost and went off from there. And this book, uh, Paul presented the case for the gospel, such as uh, this book's known for the Romans Road, which talks about salvation pretty much throughout. And then also it has many parts for Christians too, just like this passage right here about how Christians need to keep going in their walk and not uh, go to sleep and not get lazy while they're in their walk with God. And in verse 11, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Yeah. Uh, the first step is we need to be aware of the time we live in. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we're in pretty much perilous times where we're in. There's wickedness that's all around us, and wickedness is surrounded in, in this society. There's just so much of it all over the place. Amen. And one of the commentaries uh, I was reading shared this illustration, which I really liked. I thought it was really good. And so people talk in their sleep. Uh, Sometimes even people call 911 in their sleep. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes people hear things in their sleep. Uh, Sometimes people even sing in their sleep. And then people also think in their sleep, and that's what's called dreaming. And because we can do all these things in our sleep, that means we can also be found guilty at times of doing the same thing spiritually. Amen. We, could, we can read our Bible in our sleep. We could easily pray in our spiritual sleep. We can, preachers can also be found guilty of preaching in their sleep. Yeah. People can be serving the Lord, but be in their sleep spiritually. Amen. And then also that comes with many ways of serving, such as singing. And other things can be found in sleep. And that's not how God has it envisioned or how God wants us to be doing it. But guess what? This is what it says next. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Amen. So it's time to wake up out of this. Because I believe the modern church has really gotten stuck in this state of laziness. And so now is the time to wake out of sleep and out of that state. That 
that many times we can find ourselves in. Amen. And one of the things when I was studying this, what would be the differences between being in your sleep and being awake for God? I think that's a good question to have because you got to know like the differences. To understand, because if you really want to have a growing relationship with God, you got to understand, what would it be like if I'm doing it in my sleep, or what is it like if I'm doing it awake? And I think the two of the things that I, when I was praying about this, thinking about this, two of the things that really went to my mind is that, is the Lord has given us this work. He has entrusted us with this work that he has for us. So that means... Whatever we're doing, serving-wise, uh, he's, he's given us his word for us to read it. So he's entrusted us with different things that we're supposed to do. So that means we got to be taking it seriously. We can't just be taking it, like, for example, reading the Bible, just letting it sit at the shelf. We should be getting into it and taking it seriously. And that means also we can't be doing it with laziness either. We can't have a laziness state, so such as, you know, just getting into it, just to say, oh, I got into it. Just yeah. saying, just getting in, reading one verse, making that check mark off the checklist of saying, oh, yeah. I read it today. Yeah, that's, good. that's just doing it with laziness. Yeah. And then the other thing we have to do is be doing it with our whole heart. Because guess what? Yeah. There is a joy to doing these things and serving the Lord and worshiping, back, worshiping him back with it. Amen. Yes. And... I'll, I'll admit, I'm one of the worst people when it comes to probably procrastinating things really bad. <laughs> Such as, I, <laughs> is it just, I don't know, I heard, I heard procrastinating might just be a preacher thing, but I'm pretty sure it's a guy thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so pretty much I procrastinate everything. So that means like, Pretty much time reliability. I'm never. I'm either right on time or always late. Never. It's a. It's a lucky day if I'm early, and uh, so I do that with my schoolwork and everything, like every aspect. So sometimes it comes really hard for me with preaching, studying, especially studying in, uh, preparing sermons, not procrastinating the time, kind of just letting it sit, because and just doing it later, because I because I struggle with that with every aspect. And, and then that means I just have to be able to find that time. Sometimes what I'll do to basically prevent that procrastinating is I have to just set time out of my day just to go out and do it. And that helps prevent more procrastinating problems. And also my other problem is I lose my focus pretty quick, so then stuff gets pushed back, which causes... That's true procrastination, but... <laughs> uh, but as we think about these many things that we would procrastinate, right? Many of them maybe feel like chores and different things like that. But guess what? Doing the Lord's work is a privilege. Unlike all those other things I would say are pretty much chores. Like schoolwork's pretty much busy work half the time. I mean, you learn a lot that there's some, a lot of busy work aspects. But guess what? The Lord's work is a privilege to do. Because God didn't have to give us this work to do. He did not have to entrust us with it. He could have easily have done it himself. That's right. But guess what? He entrusted us with it. I mean, I don't really understand the reasoning behind it, because, <laughs> but God's entrusted us with it. So that means why would we should be doing it, we should realize how much of a privilege it is being able to do the Lord's work. Yeah. And 
That's another reason why we shouldn't be lazy with what he has been calling us to do. And uh, one of the things uh, a preacher friend told me one time, where I don't think this just applies to preaching, but it applies to all the aspects of what God wants us to do in our walk with him. And he said, don't look at it as an obligation. Look at it as an opportunity to grow and learn more. Yes. Amen. Because Amen. think about it. Reading the Bible is an opportunity to grow. Yes. There is a growing experience Amen. in reading the Bible. There is a growing experience in Amen. praying. There is a growing experience in serving the Lord. And there's definitely a growing experience in just straight up preaching. And preaching the word that God has placed on our heart. And the other thing is, due to Christians operating in this sleep mode, this auto-tune state, people are also not serving like what they used to. And that means people that God's been placing ministries on do not start them where they need to be. Because there's churches that have lots of needs for ministries, and there's no one stepping up for them. And... For example, there's also starting to become like more of a pulpit supply problem, too, with not as many people answering the call to preach, not many people stepping up to do, because I'm pretty sure God's still dealing with people for that, but there's not as many people answering it and doing what God has for them. And verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Uh, I think this first part of the verse says, The night is far spent. So therefore, it's telling us we've spent enough time in darkness and in sin. So guess what? It is now time to cast it off, get rid of it, and remove it. But the only way we're going to be able to remove it is not by ourselves, but with Jesus Christ. Because we could try all we want to remove it ourselves. But that's just us trying to be self-righteous. If we try on our own strength. Because the only way we are made righteous is through Jesus Christ. First uh, Colossians 1.14 says, Who have delivered us from the power of darkness, and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. If we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins... Guess what? Jesus Christ has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and put us in his kingdom, which would be light. And since that has happened, Jesus Christ is the one that casts off the darkness. It's not going to be us ourselves, because that's not how we would, one, get into heaven, or that's not how we're supposed to grow. We're supposed to have Jesus Christ doing it for us. But that means we do have to allow him to remove the stuff. We can't just not let him, but we have to allow him to work in our life. We have to allow him through the Holy Spirit to work and remove those things out of our life. And then one of the illustrations that came to my mind when I was thinking about this is so we have so we have all these torn up dirty clothes and so instead of removing it we decide to put on the brand new shiny clothes, right? That's not how we'd work. We would take off the dirty clothes first and put on the new clothes. Yeah. So God's telling us the same thing here. The next step that he mentions is, and let us put on the armor of light. So after we cast it off, then we put on the next set. 
And so then after we've cast it off, after God through us has casted us off that darkness, all those things, then the, then we let God cast on the light on our life. Amen. And next, uh, the next verse, verse 13. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Uh, now it's time to walk in light. Now it's the high time to awake out of sleep and walk in the way that the Lord has planned for us. And this right here is a small list of things that he, that uh, God wants us to avoid and abstain from. Because these are things of darkness. So these would be things that would be considered sin. And that's not where God wants us to be at as what he's called us, because he's called us to be representatives, representatives of him. So that means, or ambassadors, that means we're supposed to be holy, just like he is. Amen. And the first set, uh, so rioting would basically mean enjoying oneself in a lively and noisy way, especially with drinking or alcohol. And then the next one would be drunkenness. So God wants us to first stay away from those kind of that activity, such as partying with alcohol and also staying away from getting drunk. These are two things that God wants us to avoid. Uh, the second step would be is, it says not in chambering and wantedness. Uh, chambering. Uh, God had a certain way that he wanted people to do things. Uh, Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Marriage happened first, before they were living together. But society has now got it flipped around where now they're living together, then they get married. That's not how God planned it. And... God also described proper marriage in that verse that God wants because he says it's between a man and a woman. That is the other thing that God had planned. That's what God wanted. And anything outside of that would be considered sin. And the next one is wantedness. Open and plainly and often, pretty much open and plain sexual desire is what wantedness would mean. Uh, God does not want his people driven by their lust or their sexual desire. Because Matthew 5, 28 says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That right there simply means that he does not want looks to drive us, and he doesn't want that driving our lust on how we go for people. And... And there's many problems that society now has because of that, because of how uh, how wantonness people have gotten. We have so many. We have yeah. one thing. Uh, I don't really want to mention the name of it exactly because we do have younger children. But uh, since because of that, there's been so many since that uh, aspect of society's gotten so wanted. We've had so many problems with. Just that, because of how bad it's getting in our society. Amen. That's right. 
And that means we can't be driven, as Christians, we can't be driven by a sexual desire, but we got to be driven by a godly desire. And the third set that's mentioned is not in strife and envy. The first two, you know, maybe most people would say, oh yeah, these are like really bad things, right? But guess what? He mentioned strife and envy, which are pretty common. So guess what? That tells us a thing about God, that he hates all sin equally, that he has an opposition to all sin, and because all sin separates. And so that means all these, these two things are just as important as the other things mentioned below that we need to not be in a state of. And strife is letting our anger drive us and let us drive our feelings and would be causing conflict based off how we feel with our anger. And when we let our anger take control and drive us, that's us acting in strife. You know, sometimes we're going to have a disagreement that might cause some conflict just because they simply don't like that you disagree with them. But us acting out of that, acting with that anger that we have, because sometimes we're simply going to have anger, but how we choose to act with it is what's going to cause strife. And because one of the things, definitely with this world and society, because of what kind of times we live in, they're not also going to like the truth that the Bible has either. They're going to be in opposition, they're going to be in disagreement, they're going to be angered by it. And they're going to have conflict with it. But that means towards when they get mad at us for just straight up saying the truth, we cannot act in anger back towards them. We cannot act in strife back towards them. Even though how much we may want to, we got to avoid that. And the next one that's mentioned is Emmy. The desire to have a quality possession or other desirable attribute belonging to someone else. If we desire Christ, we shouldn't be getting jealous of others and wanting stuff and having desire for what they have. Uh, It may just be the simple item, the athletic ability, the height, or many other things. Maybe the house, maybe the possessions, the money. But God doesn't want us to be desired and want these things and have an ending where we start getting jealous of other people for it. And because with envying comes a dislike for you with someone else. Because you're starting to dislike them because you want what they have. And that causes dislike. And this thing could very well easily lead to strife and conflict for you. Because of how much your dislike is, you could act out with that envying that you're feeling and cause strife and conflict. And the next verse, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So as we cast off the darkness in our life, we got to be replacing it with something. And we got to be replacing it with the Lord Jesus Christ. We got to be replacing it with his attributes and how he acted, and that's holy. And we got to, that's one thing, one thing that, in order to learn, we're going to have to be able to get into the word and study it to know what his holiness and what he looks like. And 
Because the because we're gonna deal with the flesh every single day. The flesh is gonna want us to fulfill the, the desires of the flesh. Instead of just filling our desires with godly things, instead of digging into the word praying, he's going to tempt us to do other things, like maybe watch the TV show for longer than what we should. Maybe watch, maybe play a video game longer than what you should. And then playing another video game after that. And then, so the, the flesh is going to want us to do many things that go against what God wants us to do. Amen. And, That's right. And here's what he simply says, and make not provision for the flesh. Yeah. So when that flesh comes and wants you to do something else, instead of doing something that would glorify God, that means we can't give in to that temptation. Uh, let me clarify on one thing real quick. I didn't say anything wrong with watching TV or anything like that, because none of those things are wrong in itself. It's just how we do with our desire instead. If we decide to put right. it over God that's right. first, right. then that's where the problem comes in. And there's nothing wrong with doing these things, but it's when it gets in the way of our spiritual walk. It's when it starts yeah. to become a problem. Yeah. And since there's no... Since it says, make, and the Bible says, and make not provision for the flesh. Yeah. That means no, there's room for no compromise. Amen. Because we see in the Bible how many times, if you look in Judges, if you look in Joshua, it says so many times that these people compromised and didn't do exactly what God told them to do. So that means since they didn't follow exactly, they compromised the, what God had told them to do. And so when the flesh comes fighting us, we cannot be compromising. We got to yeah. just still be putting God first, even though when it gets difficult. Because that means we just got to pray to God and ask him to help us not to make provision and not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Amen. That's good. And And that's why, as Christians, we need to fully put on Jesus Christ. We don't have any room to hide. The, also, that means, the other thing is, it's not just uh, desiring, or it's also desiring God first. But there could also be some hidden sin there, too. That you're not letting go, you're not casting off. And God doesn't want us making provision for that sin that we want to keep doing. And it's so that we got to be able to, by the power of the Holy Spirit and God and the Lord Jesus Christ, we got to be able to cast that off. And guess what? Replace it with Jesus, with the, with, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. We got to be able to replace it with Him and His holiness and His attributes that is laid out plainly in this Word of God. Yeah. That we just have to dig into to understand. Because many of these things, they're not going to come natural because we were born in sin, so we live as the flesh. The things, the things that Jesus Christ mentions are not always going to be coming natural because of our sinful nature and our bodies, which are flesh. And because of that, we're going to have to really take it seriously and have a real desire to get into God's word to understand what he wants for us to do 
wants for us and how he wants us to put on that light and how he wants us to be ambassadors for him and what it really means. And as in conclusion, uh, the, as I think about this, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. No. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Yeah. Each day is getting closer and closer for Jesus Christ coming back. Or yes. for him calling us home and we get to see Jesus yes. Christ. It's getting closer and closer than when we first believed. And, and there's also many others. For example, as I mentioned the call for ambassadors. So it means being representatives of the kingdom of heaven. So that means being holy. That means we also got to be sharing the news. Because a representative, or an, for example, an ambassador that goes to a foreign land is sharing the news. So we got to be also not getting falling asleep of sharing Jesus Christ. We got to still be sharing the gospel with other people and still witnessing to him. We cannot be falling asleep in that aspect of our walk either. And, and if you feel like you've fallen asleep in your walk with Jesus Christ, it's not too late to awake out of it. Because here's what the Word of God says. It says it's high time. This is the perfect time to awake out of it if you feel like you're falling asleep. And if you feel that you're awake with, in, with your walk with Jesus Christ, then keep going. Keep going in that walk. And just... Keep growing also. Yeah. And to face this world, we're going to have to be putting on Jesus Christ in our life. We're going to have to be putting on his light. And with God's help, we're going to need that help to remove the yeah. sin out of our life and cast out that darkness. And then next, we're going to have daily battles with the flesh to either, because when we wake up, First thing in the morning, what I've heard, and I really do believe this is true, we make a conscious decision if we're going to put God first today or if we're not going to put him first today. Yeah. And so we got to just have that desire for God. And uh, uh, Pastor, how do you, do you want me to do altar call or I don't? I can't. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's all I have. So. Yeah. Amen. A lot of us have heard or read this passage many times. Um, but Bob's right. It's, you know, you think about this, it's almost 2,000 years ago that the Holy Spirit moved Paul to write this down. And uh, you think about how much closer we are to our salvation, right? To his appearing, to us being called home to be with Jesus Christ. And, you know, I think a lot of times we read that list in verse 13 and we say, well, I'm not really seeing anything that I'm doing in there, so I must be all right. But look at the first words. Let us walk honestly. And that, uh, you know, you think about, it's not just talking about cheating, you know, and cheating taxes, things like that. That's, that's in there. But let's walk honestly with him. Let's be honest with ourselves. And with him, that's what Bob was preaching tonight. Like, you know, we know what God wants us to do. We know where our time's being spent. We know those things. So let's just be honest and let's walk honestly when it comes to things of the Lord. So, uh, and the, how do we do that? 
We don't put on a program or put on a 10-step. We put on Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what it You're says. It. So I'm thankful for that. So I'm going to get a song tonight. If you want to pray, maybe you want to ask the, uh, you know, if nothing was coming to mind, you know, we can always do is what David said, search me, O God. Yeah. You know, and it, Lord already knew, but David was opening it up and saying, Lord, I want, I want the report, right? I want the results. Uh, you know what's in my heart, but I want to hear it. And maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you want to, uh, maybe you're thinking, I, I'm doing all right. Well, we're the worst judge of ourselves, right? We can look at anyone else and point out their sin and their shortcoming and what they need to do, but we struggle with us.